It's the DTC Podcast, people. The Real McCoy. Original recipe. First in your ear hole podcast on dynasty trading and player values. Hosted by Russ Fisher, Izzy Elkafoss, and Akash Patel. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the flagship podcast for the Dynasty Trade Calculator podcast stream. I am Russ. I am here with Izzy and Akash, and we are going to talk about draft time. It is time to pay attention. It is time to look at those rookies. It is time to find out where those rookies land, and it is time to do something about it, right? Like, we can't just watch. We can't just look. We can't just, well, some of us might not even be able to think, but we can't just think. We need to put it all together, and we need to make some moves. We need to get ready. So we are here this week to talk about getting ready for the NFL Draft and what that means for your dynasty teams. And here we go. We are going to talk with two very smart people about what moves they are going to do before the NFL Draft hits. I mean, who wants to go? Who has a burning desire? Who is like, this is something I need to do before rookie drafts? Um, one name I'm thinking about right now is um, trading away Michael Carter. Ah, no, no that's wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's right, right. but it, it hurts my feelings. All right, keep going, man. You know I'm right. Yeah, he's a undersized um, receiving back who's priced like a starter right now, and there's a chance that he isn't a starter or that he's uh, a committee back in 2022 because that's what he profiles as, and the Jets could easily bring someone in. Right now, um, his ADP is uh, in the top 24 running backs. And if I can get a mid to late first value for him, I'm taking that every day of the week. I don't see any uh, amazing upside with him. So you are telling me you think the Jets are going to use, what, a day one or day two pick on a running back? Yeah, they easily could. It's It's well within the range of outcomes. And when that's well within the range of outcomes, it's time to get out. Okay, so my question to you then is, Michael Carter in the calculator is worth 12.6, which is pretty much the 112. The 112 is 12.4. You walking away with that? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, you want the 112, someone's going to give you the 2122, you know, just because, let's face it, no one wants to give real value, right? So mm-hmm. would you take the 201, the 202, and a 12-team Superflex League for Michael Carter right now? Yeah, I would. And then um, NFL Draft comes around. Sky Moore goes in the early second, or Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter go in the um, mid-first round, and then you have a shot at a either a really good wide receiver prospect or a quarterback who rushes a lot, and I'll take that over Michael Carter. Feelings on Michael Carter, is it? Uh, yeah, I like Michael Carter, actually. Um, I don't know how long he is to be, like, the main guy, but my issue with selling him okay so he's just you said he's just inside the top 24 the calculator has him at 30 okay Mm -hmm. so he's an rb3 mid rb3 and i don't know if your adp is including the rookies coming in or whatever you're looking at to put him in the top 24 it's including the rookies coming in Mm -hmm. you might be higher on them than some people man i don't know what you're looking at but But, uh, what are you looking by the way i was on um I was looking at key trade cut. He's actually 26 there. 26. He's, okay, uh, so he's... Yeah, it was 24 about a week ago. Okay, yeah. We have him at 30, right behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is he ahead of out of these guys? Uh, Fournette, Dylan, Pollard, Connor. Is he ahead of all of those guys? He's ahead of 
Um, Connor, Fournette, and Dylan are ahead of him, and Pollard's behind him. So Pollard and Connor are behind. Who the hell else is behind him to make the item? Is it Clyde? Is Clyde behind him? Yeah. Clyde behind him is, is Isaiah Spiller. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's that's funny because literally the four guys, one, two, three, four, right in front mm-hmm. of him and ours is Pollard, Connor, Spiller, Blair, and they're all really close. That's yeah, across sources, um, you'll find some variance, but the yeah. idea the idea is the same. He's just outside the top. He's in that four. pocket. Yeah. He's in yeah. that pocket. Okay. So the, the the problem I have with having, you know, needing to move him per se is he's good enough to where at RB30, even if they bring in the only player I think he needs the dual well, two guys, Walker and, 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 um, and Hall, I think any other running back that comes in, he has what he's had in the past, a committee role or what he had last year. So. I'm less concerned about that, and I think the Jets actually have a lot of needs. I mm-hmm. I've been I kind of peruse the mock drafts, and the Jets are aren't ever mocked a running back that I've seen. Um, so I don't know if you're seeing any mock drafts with running backs going there, but um, they have they have two seconds, one at 35 and one at 38, and mm-hmm. they have far greater needs than the running back. Um, so I, I think. They're probably going to go somebody on the line, like an edge rusher. Um, they definitely need somebody. They definitely need a safety. Um, a wide receiver. A linebacker. It's very, yeah, I, I agree with you that it's no guarantee. Um, I think the Jets uh, are a branch of the San Francisco off- offense, and it's very possible they address the running back in round three or round four and try to bring in a guy with similar capital that they used on Michael Carter last year because low investments are running back are smart, and they mm-hmm. seem smart like that. They've been doing that in San Francisco, and they started doing that last year with Carter. But the problem is, when you have um, Carter in that role, it's not like he already has some huge role that he has to maintain, right? Last year, he had a 47% rushing share in that offense, and he averaged 10, 11 points per game. It's not a role that yields itself into into a a massive ceiling and so for him to stay in that role you're betting that okay there's a low chance that they draft a running back but it is a a chance and so that would completely take away any value and there's a very real chance that they continue to invest in running backs and carter just stays as a committee back because like i said he's low draft capital undersized uh isn't super productive and so you're just getting rb two three production having to pay a late first for that All right, I want to give you some names at other positions and let me know who you prefer, Michael Carter or this other person. Mike Williams, Pat Fryermuth, Michael Thomas, and Rondell Moore. Interesting. Rondell seems out of place there based on startups. Uh, but um... well, Rondell and Mike Williams are actually right next to each other. They're both a little higher in the DTC than... Yeah, makes sense. Michael Carter. Sorry, totally blanked, but there aren't enough wide receivers that close. And like saying Allen Robinson is too specific. Right. Like you need a specific situation for Allen Robinson, but the rest of the guys seem a little bit more open. Yeah, that's that's fine. I'm I'm cool with that. Tight end premium, I assume, for Firemuth. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's good. Um Mike Williams has uh fifteen points per game season that he's coming off of. He's in a high volume, high efficiency offense. It's uh very possible that he produces that way again. 
No, no, no. No, no, no. I don't want to hear your logic. Just give me names. Which of those guys would you take over Michael Carter? I'd take uh, Rondale. I'd take MT. I'd take uh, Mike Williams. And yeah, I'd take Pat Frymuth. Okay, so you'll take all of them over Michael Carter? I think so, yeah. Do you feel strongly on any other side of that, Izzy? Uh, the overarching idea that the Koch has is right. Like any low draft capital fringe running back should be moved in a situation like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the the philosophy is spot on. Yeah. The the thing with Michael Carter is I kind of have a bias towards liking him, so I kind of <laughs> don't love the idea of moving just because it's like like I said he's RB thirty. And like, really, if he gets company, he'll probably, let's say he does what he did last year, 130, 150 carries, maybe gets 40 receptions. I mean, that is going to be like RB30 territory. Yeah, I was going to agree with Izzy in saying that, yes, if they do bring in someone, if he is part of a committee, he's at least the receiving back in that part of the committee, which for what the realistic price is, don't get me wrong, even while I like Michael Carter, the 112 the 21 that's still a pretty good price that that's a little higher than i think might be realistic so if i can get that even i might consider moving him but when you get lower than that like you're really just looking at like that's prime 1b receiving back territory where if you get rb 25 to 30 you're not upset about it but the ceiling is obviously there because we've seen him i guess i not i guess i know very small sample size but we've seen him sort of workhorse roll it and especially with how weird that team was last year with uh zach wilson being completely trash getting hurt you know michael carter getting hurt and then wilson looking not awful at the end like to me once you get past that too good to be true amount which is that like 112 i'd rather just take the risk of michael carter but again izzy and i are both saying we have bias but while i can talk about michael carter for a full hour if you want me to i don't know if anyone listening actually wants that yeah, I mean, it's really just kind of a, he was RB29 last year, he missed three games. That's okay. Yeah. So, 35th in points per game. Yeah, 35th in points per game. So let's say he does what he did last year and you have him at RB30. Um, That's right. You get him at RB30 and you, and he produces RB35. Really not a massive loss there. Not a massive gain, though. I'm shooting for a yeah, higher true. of a ceiling. Yeah, true. That's very fair. It's not. It's very replaceable production. See, Ak- with, uh, Akash likes to I think score you the points and win yeah. games. If you can't tell, I'm doing very heavy air quotes when I say those <laughs> words. Okay, who do you have, Daisy? Who? What is one move you're looking to make right now before the NFL draft comes along and changes some values? Yeah. So, for me, the the main guy is Rashad Penny, and <laughs> it's it's kind of in the same pocket as Akash. Like he's. Mm-hmm. You know, RB38, so you're getting him as a low RB3, high RB4. Um, but this is free money that you're getting. Like it, it, Rashad Penny over the last two years has literally been worth fourth round draft capital. You could get l- close to nothing for him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you have an opportunity to get a second. Most, a lot of mocks that I see are mocking Seattle's. Seattle to drafting a running back. It's Seattle, that's what they do. Yeah. So as long as they don't do what they did last time with Penny and draft a third round running back at the end of the first, it's fine. (laughs) Oh, 
They have, oh man, if they take a running back at the 109, I'm going to cry so hard. They won't take a running back there, but <laughs> they're not I, smart. They're not smart. It would be funny, but I don't know. No, it is not funny. <laughs> yes, it, it would is. be pretty funny. I, I, I look at a guy like Kenneth Walker. Oh my God, that fits. Yeah. And he fits exactly what Pete Carroll would want in a running back. For always, yes. Is Walker just a younger, better penny? Yeah. I can, yeah, I can right. see that. He's yeah. I mean, Chris Carson's the same way. I mean, they're just like. Mm-hmm. So, I look at that and say, let's say they draft a running back, which they're mocked several times to uh, with their second and third round pick. Uh, Penny goes from having that high second round value, or I guess maybe he's like two hundred four ish, two hundred three ish. He's coming to, in around the two hundred six on the calculator. Two hundred six ish, so mid second. Yeah, he'll he'll fall back into the third. Maybe even later than so. It's like I'd rather just cash out on the and get the two hundred six. Even if he, even if he, if they don't draft the running back, all that's going to happen is Penny will go up to maybe the two hundred three value, and then he'll just get hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> there's really, there's really not much upside to be had by holding on to Penny at this point. Just yeah. take whatever you can get for him now, if you can get that mid second, and just. See what happens. Take it to I the agree. bank. You can even, if you don't want it for a pick, just flip it for a, a receiver that is in that same pocket and, and move on. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm going to go now. I'm going to go now because I need to, I need to vent. I need, this was like one of the most frustrating draft picks I've, for at least my, well, every single first round pick that they've actually used in the past few years has been one of the most frustrating experiences of my NFL draft life because. I love when they trade away their first because then they can't screw it up. Though sending two firsts for Jamal Adams was pretty a terrible idea anyway. But like, I missed like ten years ago when they did it for Percy Harvin and for, I mean, okay Jimmy Graham because he was already like a hundred at that point. But yeah, no, I I am a fan of getting out on Rashad Penny because I, I I've said on this show before when I like a player or at least when I'm rooting for a player because I liked Penny just not at the draft capital they took him. It takes me a long time to give up. It takes me a long time to say, okay, maybe I was wrong. I'm ready to move on. I'm past that point with Rashawn Penny. I got there a while ago, and Izzy said the most important thing. Rashawn Penny has always looked pretty good when he was on the field. I will re-emphasize pretty good, and then I will go back to say, when on the field, because it's never for very long. His stretch last season where he was like the RB 1-3 to in fantasy is the longest stretch of games he's ever put together without getting hurt. And like this is like saying, oh, this is the year Wolf Fuller stays healthy, and then he stays healthy for a year, then gets popped for PEDs. I mean, the, this is the way I feel with Rashad Penny. So if you're telling me I can get anything with a two in front of it, I am absolutely there to sell it. Because let's not forget, when was the last time someone who wasn't Chris Carson did well as a running back in Seattle? Marshawn Lynch? Like, they bring in all of these players that do well for small stretch. I mean, even Alex Collins did well for a while. Oh, Scarborough looks good for two or three games. And those guys aren't really in the league anymore. And if they are, they're so buried that no one even remembers what team they're on. They're probably still on Seattle. And that is really bad that I don't even know that. So, yeah, I am all for that. And even when you go down to look at the players around the same price, like in Superflex, Davis Mills is right next to, to Rashad Penny. If you tell me that there's a very good chance that Houston drafts a quarterback, which I don't think there even is because they have so much more going on, give me Davis Mills. Give me a backup. We've seen do well in the league because, especially with a, a rookie, there's always a chance, A, they let Mills start for a little bit, or B, maybe he's terrible and maybe he gets hurt, which is more 
valuable to hold on to the backup quarterback in that case. Mm-hmm. But also going a little further down, I mean, the rookies in his place, I mean, Trey McBride, maybe, but like John Mechie, I would rather take. Devin Singletary, I'd, ra- I'd pick him over Penny, and they're in the exact same situation. Except that Singletary doesn't really get hurt. So if the Bills don't draft a running back, he's still the RB2 behind Josh Allen, mm-hmm. and that's pretty valuable. Yeah, Singletary is exactly like Penny, except he's actually in a good offense and actually catches passes. Yeah, so for like, me. to me, Penny is is an absolute, you're correct. I, I'm getting rid of him. Uh, do you have, is there any more hard-hitting analysis on, oh my God, go sell Rashad Penny that you can throw in here, Akash? Uh, he doesn't catch passes. So in order to give you any meaningful production, he's either going to need 15 rushing touchdowns or to be like top five in the league in rushing. And I don't expect that. Top five, or I mean, I'd be I'd be lucky to be considered top fifteen. Okay, yeah. I have a running back I want to talk about as well, and then hopefully we'll find a wide receiver or a quarterback or two to talk about. Um, the are backs. you guys worried that it's always the running backs? That's the guys you got to sell. Those are the guys that lose <laughs> their job like that. It's yeah, because it's so volatile. I know, but but we got to talk about something else, right? But I really want to ask. I, don't, I mean, I say real quick, and then we talk for a half hour anyway. Is there a chance, or at least a strong? Strong to medium chance Tampa Bay brings in and running back that will hurt Leonard Fournette in a way where even though you're not paying the dynasty price for his production, where that scale might still tip in the other direction. Like, we are just writing off the idea that they could bring someone else in because Fournette has done well enough. I don't think that well enough, again, is enough right now, especially for that window with Tom Brady that they they know they have a very small window, especially now that every year it could just be like, I'm going to retire. I don't like this guy. I'm going to retire until you fire him, you know, or, you know, whatever happens. I don't want to, you know, put any rumors out there. But I mean, it's me. It worries me that we are crowning Fournette the workhorse in Tampa when it seems very likely that they could just do whatever they have to do to pump up that offense to make sure they outscore everyone else. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think they could bring in someone, but mostly because rolling out Keyshawn Vaughn and Giovanni Bernard as the backups in a contending offense where you have high aspirations doesn't seem like ideal roster construction. So just trying to get a good backup behind Leonard Fournette seems viable. But I still think Leonard Fournette would be the workhorse, and he's not priced like it. Mm, I I don't know. I, I don't think a team like Tampa would bring in a running back. I think they eventually will as like a backup role. As a body, yeah. yeah. Just to I, I mean, someone. when I do say that, I'm talking about what, maybe fourth round and above? Yeah. Because like once you hit five, I mean, then it's really like, okay, that is absolutely just put a body in. And then if he happens to be Elijah Mitchell or something, awesome, great. But mostly we're talking round five, six, seven. It's we need a guy to, to fill the roster spot of running back. Mm-hmm. So what I. Th- what I think is more likely to happen is if they draft the running back, it'll be round seven. Okay. okay. It'll be some random player. <laughs> but what I think will happen is they will wait until closer to roster cuts and all of that and pick up a veteran body. Yeah. Okay. I think that's more likely than them using a, you know, round four pick, round three, round four, round five pick on a running back. Yeah. That's kind of how I I think it will play out. Just kind of thinking about the Tampa Bay roster construction. Um, 
I, I just haven't thought about Tampa Bay's. They have they have a few other needs. I mean, they're they're not as good as they were a couple of years ago, and I don't think their their glaring need is running back. I think they're very happy with Leonard Fournette, and I think they just need insurance for him. And I think they pick that up via some sort of body that gets released, or I think it's just going to be somebody that they pick up honestly in free agency later on off the wire. Okay, well, yeah. since there's no there's no bombs being dropped on what I thought would be a question that would help me out. And you guys did not help me out whatsoever. Um, I did say something before, and it makes me want to talk about it a little bit. Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is QB 19 in the trade calculator ratings. actually valued pretty highly higher than I thought, at least at around the 104. Does he seem like a buy right now? Because the Jets are in line to, with every uh, stud wide receiver that's been on the market, there's... I mean, mock drafts show them taking a wide receiver at least the first or second rounds. We're talking about them bringing in a running back of capital worth talking about. So is it worth now to buy into Zach Wilson when, okay, we haven't seen him do anything great, but it looks like for now the Jets are like, okay, let's just pump out an offense because maybe it sells tickets or maybe we actually care about winning now. Does buying Zach Wilson, I mean, it's a, he's at the 104 in the calculator right now. Would you pay the 104 to go get Zach Wilson right now? Do you think you have to give the 104 to get Zach Wilson right now? Mm, well, that's a, that's two different questions. Um, I think if a, somebody has Zach Wilson and they're still and they still have Zach Wilson up to today, that's probably what it's going to cost you. Okay, because they would have tried to dump him. I feel earlier, and they didn't. So the fact that they haven't tried to get out from under him earlier suggests that they have optimism for Zach Wilson. Yeah. Would I pay the 104 for Zach Wilson in this draft? No, I'd probably be more in the 10. It's honestly, it's not that far off. And I'm not a big Zach Wilson guy, but it's really not that far off. Yeah, I'm with you. Like if you put Zach Wilson in this draft, probably QB two or three. He could go anywhere from two actually one one o three to one o five ish. So that one o four makes sense. Yeah, so five. Is yeah, really one hundred five is what I prefer. The, the thing I think about is, I'd rather have him than Kenny Pickett. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I think Kenny Pickett is probably one hundred. He's going to be in the range of one hundred six to one hundred eight yeah. come this draft. Because what's going to end up happening is he'll go in the first round. Whether it's you know, I, I see a lot of the potential is Carolina, Seattle, um, New Orleans, or. Pittsburgh, right? Those are the four main common themes that I'm probably missing one other team that's pretty glaring. But Atlanta. those are the four off the top of my head. And who? I said Atlanta. Oh, please no. Atlanta. I, have, I haven't <laughs> I don't seen want Atlanta it to happen, but mocked. It could. Yeah. I, I don't see them mocked a quarterback. I haven't actually seen them mocked a quarterback at all at, at eight. Interesting. They're eight, I've right? I've seen a couple of those mocks, but I don't agree with them. I said that if Atlanta drafts a quarterback or trades up for a quarterback, I'm becoming a Chargers fan, so... I really hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, I think, I think they're more likely. I think Vegas has them like minus money to take a receiver. Let's go. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> so, he's ready for that. Yeah, that'd be fun. But uh, got to surround Marcus Mariota with that talent, baby. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I, I know I, I just look at this with Zach Wilson. It kind of feels like when there is a low supply of quarterbacks going into a draft class. The last year's draft class still feels like that rookie supply, in a sense. Yeah. So he's being elevated because of the lack of options that are coming in that are new and fresh. 
So mm-hmm. when you look at players with potential, he still is one of the top five or six quarterbacks with potential because of this new crop. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's I don't I wouldn't pay the 104 because I'm not a huge Zach Wilson guy. I do think that he's better than I thought he would be the worst of the five quarterbacks, which I think happened last year. But I would not be surprised if he was better than at least one of these quarterbacks over the next three years. Like it wouldn't shock me where he was by far my number five. But I saw enough of Zach Wilson last year to where if he can cut out the stupid from his game, <laughs> I think there is some potential there. Yeah. So I'd be I'd give me the one I'd do the one oh six ish, but one oh four is just a, a little high for me. I'd rather try to pry like a a different I'd rather try to take my one oh five or one oh six and move it for Derek Carr if I can try to do that. I'd rather have Zach Wilson over Derek Carr. See, I'd rather have Derek Carr over Zach Wilson. I, I, I'd choose the ceiling there. Uh, I, I I was I wasn't a big Zach Wilson guy last year, but since then I've become. Uh, I've looked at it more. I've definitely changed the way I thought. He was a pretty good prospect when I didn't think he was. Maybe it was the uh, school bias that he didn't come from a uh, big school or that the Jets drafted him. But in his last year, he had around thirteen uh, adjusted yards per attempt, which is really good. He was drafted second overall, which is really good. Um, his rookie production, like a lot of rookies, wasn't amazing, but he wasn't horrible. And I think there's definitely a chance that he takes a leap in his second year with the weapons. There, uh, it seems like they're trying to surround him with, which is good. So I would definitely chase that upside with Zach Wilson. He's not a bad rusher either. Three, three, uh, three point three rushing points per game on the ground last year. There's upside. Yeah. No, I get that, and I think it also with those two guys, I think it depends on my roster kind of yeah. where I am in the in the uh the um I get it call that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like th- there's different time frames of where you are in terms of your your contention. Yeah. If you're contending and you have Zach Wilson and he scores uh thirteen points per game again, that's not very valuable to your roster based on opportunity cost. And so I get that. The value upside and the uh scoring upside lies with him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I, I definitely get that. And he is higher than than Derek Carr in the calculator. So, yep. um, let me ask you a question: Would you rather, based on what you've uncovered and how you feel about Zach Wilson now, mm-hmm. you have him ahead of Derek Carr? Do you have him ahead of any of these quarterbacks: Mac Jones, Malik Willis, Stafford, Rogers, Tua? Um, just Mac. I started shaking my head. No, like people can see that I disagree, and I'm <laughs> saying no. But okay, yeah, no, okay. He's just so safe. Uh, I'm fine with that. And it's like Derek Carr, too. Yeah. Derek Carr, I mean, I think we're past the idea that he had that almost MVP season that one time. Like, okay, that's like doing the same thing with Carson Wentz. Like, it's been long enough where we cannot really put that into play. That's like saying Derek Carr did this in college. Dude, right. He was in college when I was in college. Okay, maybe not that long ago. <laughs> but I think we're past that point. But to me, like Derek Carr, Mac Jones, the ceiling isn't really there with them, too, but they're jobs and their scoring is both so safe where you are getting qb 10 to 15 like every single week like unless unless you play in buffalo within crazy with crazy wins and they only have to throw the ball three times you are absolutely getting very safe very good production and like maybe once or twice a season he sneezes accidentally and throws three touchdowns like you know they they score a little better and maybe you get qb5 like zach wilson to me is the 
range of outcomes with Zach Wilson. Yes, the ceiling is higher, but to me, the floor is also just so much lower. Like, from the beginning, he kind of had Trubisky written all over his face on, you know, for me. And, well, don't get me wrong, I actually liked Trubisky a little more because, actually, no, it's the same thing with Zach Wilson. It's like, if things go right when things break down because of the where they were brought into their teams, things would break down a lot. It could look great. It could look awesome. But it could also look like poop. And, and that's, you know, again, like, if you're a competing team, that's absolutely not something I want. If you're a middling team, maybe. But to me, I value-wise in general, I would put those two over Zach Wilson just because I think the floor is just exponentially lower. I chase, I'm chasing the ceiling there, right? Mac Jones, for all his infinite safety, uh, ranked 25th in points per game out of quarterbacks who played eight games last year, which is not anything close to valuable production. It's actually below replaceable yeah, production uh, because gosh, outside the top 24. You got to take, you got to consider the context. Yeah. You just, you do, you do with Mac Jones. You got to consider the fact that it's Bill Belichick starting a rookie quarterback yeah. with no one to catch the ball. It's, <laughs> It's yeah. It's Jacoby Myers being wide receiver one, mm-hmm. and we like it's Jacoby, but he's not a superstar. The Patriots, de- yeah, j- yeah. I and like now Jacoby. they got superstar. Um, Parker. They have they have a a great defense. You know they like to run the ball. Like so, yeah. They had a situation that was not conducive for fantasy points. But I think what you're really coming down to is can Mac Jones develop into a very? It's not about him being a very good quarterback. It's yeah, the Patriots being able to trust him with just saying, "Okay, you can go and flourish." Mm-hmm. If you remember what happened with Tom Brady, I'm not saying Mac Jones is Tom Brady, but yeah. it took two years for Tom Brady for them to say, "Okay, now the time is yours. We're going to let the leash go." He was very much a low volume mm-hmm. game manager, very similar yep. to what Mac Jones has done. Absolutely. So I, I look at this and I say, "You're giving me a quarterback that Bill felt comfortable enough to start." pretty much from Jump Street, and you're giving me the Patriots. It's kind of like the Steelers. Like Anything that goes to the Steelers, I immediately upgrade Yep, <laughs> because I just have more confidence that they'll make it work. Um, outside of New England and drafting wide receivers, <laughs> I, I'm good with it. You know what I mean? I'm, right? I'm, good with, <laughs> yeah. I'm good with everything that goes there for the most part. So I, I view Mac as not only safe, mm-hmm. but I think his ceiling – I agree that he doesn't have that top eight ish ceiling. I agree, top seven ish ceiling. Yeah, but in in due time, maybe he can sneak his way into the low low te- like low QB ones, like QB twelve or something, right? Yeah, but that's yeah, in time. A, nine nine to nine to twelve. Yeah, in time, like being a year or two, and that's absolutely fine. And that's also the amount of time it can years. take for the Jets to draft another quarterback. Uh, yeah, the same. We saw similar <laughs> things happen with other quarterbacks. Um, who earned volume throughout their career. I was listening to, um, you, if you, you guys know A. Nelly Tix, his yeah. name is super weird to say, but he was talking about that on a podcast the other day about how it takes these quarterbacks time to earn volume. But until then, you're just rostering mediocre production. And I would rather chase the ceiling. Yeah. If, you're, if you think in, in two, three years, Mac Jones will earn enough volume to maybe be uh, a high QB2, then why not? Pay for it when it happens because it's not gonna. You're not gonna have to pay an increased price in two years when he finally finishes as QB 15 or 14. Okay, 
So let's let's form this conversation a little differently. Mm-hmm. So Mac Jones is actually one of my buys. Pre-draft, I don't care when you buy him, you just buy him because he's being treated as a outside the top 12 quarterback. But mm-hmm. I think there's even money or better that Mac Jones over the next decade is a perennial top 12 quarterback. Yeah, but over the, that's ne- over the next I decade, feel about it. You're, that's a long way away. Like The production over the next few years matters more than the production for a decade. Sure, but then you, we shouldn't be taking any young quarterback that hasn't really produced because you can go get it somewhere else. Yeah, you know, I I'm can go, but why wouldn't I just take my, why wouldn't I? So look at Derek Carr, mm-hmm. for instance. You can go get a Derek Carr and get more production than Zach Wilson and Mac Jones over the next two years. You may not feel that way. Matt Stafford, same thing. Um, Aaron Rodgers. So those should be the guys that you make the transactions for. Even mm-hmm. um, who might, Jalen Hurts. Is a guy that I'll produce both of them over the next two years. Yeah, I in a league the other day I traded in a larger package. I traded Trevor Lawrence for Russell Wilson. I'm with that because Trevor Lawrence in his range of outcomes absolutely has not scoring points in his range of outcomes because he wasn't very good last year. Which is so it's possible that continues. I know we like to make those excuses. Just but, as long as you have a QB that can score points in the last six weeks of a season, you're fine taking that <laughs> Russell Wilson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I got it, Dak Prescott. It's all good. So I I look at Mac and you talk about range of outcomes. I view his range of outcomes very, his his deviation of where I expect him to be, I think is very low. Yeah, I agree. So I think he'll be as high as QB eight, nine. I think that's kind of his perennial, like his annual ceiling. Because what's going to end up happening is some of these quarterbacks will fall out, but I think there'll be just be like a, a regen of players that can be dynamic and be two-way type of players, not just the the prototypes in the in the pocket. So I think he kind of ceilings out at QB8 based on what we saw year one. Now, I do think, though, his floor is going to be like Cousins range. Yeah, I really think that that's where his floor is. I think and so you, why not trade him for Cousins? You just said that you were uh, targeting the production. Like Cousins is cheaper than Mac. No, no. I was saying that if you're... If you're targeting the production, I was basically explaining it to okay. your conversation of saying that you're looking over a two-year period. Mm-hmm. I look at it and saying the quarterback position to me is the hardest position to fill long-term. I really want to get a situation with my dynasty rosters where I'm finding my quarterbacks and I'm setting them and I don't have to worry about replacing them. Yeah, I agree. You know, So that's just kind of how I view it. I don't care what running backs I have, wide receivers. I get them every single year, and I I have less concern with backfilling those positions. So give a guy like Mac Jones, I like because I can set him in there, and I know that I'm getting a you know Kirk Cousins at worst, and I'm getting who's a good example of Joe Flacco. Uh, Joe, no, oh, no, Joe, I thought you said at best Kirk Cousins, and at worst Joe Flacco. Sorry. You said at worst, Kirk Cousins. No, I think I think at worst, I think at worst, I think at worst, what Mac Jones will develop into, Matt Ryan, like maybe. where his ceiling is, is yeah, Matt Ryan's actually probably a pretty good one. So he's got a Matt Ryan to Kirk Cousins range. Now people say, well, Matt Ryan finished top three, top four. Yeah, he, his, yeah, he did in his eighth it, season. It, but well, he also his eighth season had weapons that Mac Jones will never have. Really. Probably, and it's also a much different type of. If Matt Ryan played in 
today, like in today's structure, mm-hmm. I still don't think that he'd be valued as a top eight quarterback, even in his prime, just because of who else is up there. Yeah, I think he'd probably be in the maybe he'd be like six. I think that's when you start having the conversations of six. But then you're saying, is he better than? Would you rather have him over Lamar? Would you rather have him over a Deshaun Watson, a Kyler Murray? Like that's Absolutely five, not. six. Like so, maybe when in his prime with Julio and Roddy. Who else did he have? Julio Roddy. What, what was his eighth season? It wasn't Julio. He had he had Tony G. He had. Uh, but in in his eighth season, he still had Tony Gonzalez. In no. what season? His best season. Oh, 2016. No, he had, no, he, had Austin, he had rookie Austin Hooper. Yeah. Was, he had Taylor Gabriel. Yeah, I was gonna say. It was, who, um, was who was his receiving core? Uh Gabriel, uh Sanu, Hooper, Julio. It was really just Julio. <laughs> so it wasn't even yeah, it was just Julio. And that was Devontae so like, backfield, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So even even if you give even if you have Matt Ryan with those weapons, right, and even if you put him in year eight with Roddy and Julio, where he's at least matured, now he's gonna get some both. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he touches those guys. So I, I view that as the same with Mac Jones. But I like that. <laughs> you know, I like that pocket where I can set it and say, okay, if Mac Jones is my QB two, I'm not excited about over the next couple of years. I think that's where you look at it and say, where can I maybe get some production to get, make Mac Jones my QB three. Um, but Mac Jones is like, uh, he's where is he on DTCs? QB nineteen in ADP, so he's he is a QB two. Let's see, in DTC he is, and where where do you have in keep trade cut? He's nineteen. Yeah, and then DLF he's eighteen, so he is priced as a QB two, and so a lot of people are drafting him as their QB two or even their QB one if they waited on quarterback. Yeah, and he's not that far off. He's 16. He's 16 in DTC. So it's like a mid-QB2. Yeah, Yeah, and so that's the a, that's a thing with, like you said, it's just you, you're saying you'd rather have him as a QB3 on your team and he's not being priced that way in general. And so yeah. that's, that's where I would be looking. That's where I'm, I'm willing, I'm, I'm more inclined to say that you could move off of him and get better production. You you replace yeah, you sacrifice long term long term security for the points, which is something I'm willing to do. All right, we've been talking about Mac Jones for way too long, so I want to I want to bring up one more person, and then I'll give you guys one more shot <laughs> for each of you. But I, I'm curious what you think about Amon Ross St. Brown because him in general towards the end of the season was a bit of a what do you believe kind of thing, and in this. Era, era. <clears throat> in this offseason where there was at least a few will put good or even very good through trade wide receivers you could have added Detroit brought in DJ Chark so what do you do with Amon Ra right now? Is he a buy for you? Is he a sell for you? Uh, right now the calculator has him at the 109 and that feels high for him. Like, like no for what he is believed his value, that is correct. What I think his value, and I think it's a little high, because I think he, I don't, let me say, I don't think he's that guy he was the last few games. I don't think he's that 15 target a guy game, a, a touchdown a game pretty much was what he was doing. Well, again, they didn't make the move to make me think they don't think that. Like, bringing in DJ Chark isn't a game-changing addition. You know, like, he had a good season. Cool. I mean, everyone can have a good season, but 
to me, if I can get the 109 and I can get one of those wide receivers that are around that 109, like give me Olave or Pickens or, I mean, uh, maybe David Bell. Like give me guys around there. And, and honestly, I'll probably feel a little better about what ceiling I can get out of it. But along that Mac Jones line, I think St. Brown is insanely safe. I'm not sure if anything that could happen right now in the draft would make me value him lower. Because if they bring in, this is going to be unrealistic, but like maybe they do get like Traylon Burks at the beginning of the second. You know, maybe he doesn't get drafted in the first, they take him there. That's not bad for St. Brown to me. Because, you know, that's not the same position. I get it, they both play wide receiver. But I think we're at the point now where we all understand wide receiver splits into a couple positions. You know, there's mm-hmm. slot receiver, there's X receiver, there's possession receiver, there's gadget receiver. Like there's so many things that can be, you know, put into the puzzle of wide receiver that that doesn't bother me. The only thing that they could do is like bring in another Amon Ross St. Brown, in which case is that even still the worst? Because again, assuming you understand that he's not a 15 target per guy game, if we can get to that eight to 12, to me, that's exactly what he should have been anyway. So yeah. I guess, I mean, Akash, you just said, yeah, first, like, would you go now to go get St. Brown? Or do you think that any wide receiver that gets brought in will actually hurt his value, even though to me, at least, logically, it shouldn't? And make it a better buy opportunity? Would it? I, like, I, yeah, I think it could, but I'd be absolutely comfortable paying the 109 for him right now. And then if they go draft, um, like, like George Pickens or something in the early second, and people panic because they both play wide receiver, even though multiple wide receivers can line up at once, and the price goes down, then I'm comfortable buying at the new price too. I'm on Ross St. Brown with someone that I didn't like midseason before his explosion. I was like, everyone was hoping that he would be given targets because. He's in Everyone Detroit else was hurt. because there was no one else to throw to. And then he didn't earn targets for the first few weeks. And I was like, see, I told you. But then he started earning targets, which was really good. And he started earning them at a really good rate. And I it was, was consistent. Hmm? Yeah, Even absolutely. Before he blew and up, so, he was getting consistent targets. And it just it got so much better. Right. And so the 15 targets a game, 25 points per game, maybe isn't something that he'll do for his entire second year. The most. The most useful thing to predict his second year is his whole season stats. And his whole season, his full season stats are really good too. He had 13.3 points per game, 21% target share, 80 PFF receiving grade. It was really good. And the wide receivers he compares to, closest, um, closest rookie season he compares to over the last decade, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, Jalen Waddell, Cooper Cup, Elijah Moore, Devonta Smith, AJ Green. Statistically, he's very close to all those guys. And so, all those guys have been very productive, or we expect to be very productive. And so I also expect Amara Brown, Amara St. Brown, to be quite productive. All right. Izzy, first, what do you think about the 109 for St. Brown? And then what do you think of him in, in a buy sell pre draft idea? Yeah, I think I lean more towards. God, such a good line. I mean, it's, it's a good line because what's, what you're really doing is that's kind of like the. The dots in the it's it's basically whoever might be drafted to the Lions in and I think a lot of mocks have them taking a receiver. So mm-hmm. and where they're having them mocked is that late I think they have pick thirty two as well and the second that they have. So yeah, I think they, they have, have like thirty two and thirty second. Yeah. yeah. 
So one of those picks is is heavily mocked a receiver. Yeah. And I've seen Pickens, I've seen Dotson. Um, what you have to, and I think Akash touched on this, I didn't catch it, but based on what's going to be... Av- I don't listen when he speaks either. <laughs> what, based on what's going to be available there, the only two players that I think would be concerning for, for St. Brown is Dotson and Moore. Because those are the only two guys that could slot it. Yeah. Where Pickens is not going to be a slot receiver. Nope. So you don't really have to worry about that. If uh, Burks, I think, also could be a problem because even though he's not going to line up in the slot as often, he's still a short to intermediate target. He played slot in college a bit. Yeah, yeah, he did. 80 something percent. I'd have to But I think at the next level, I think if they draft Burks, I don't think they slot him. Yeah. I think the I think the Lions uh I think uh they would try to get someone to compliment him because they don't have any other receiving options except for Swift and Hawkinson. So I guess Chark. Well, and Chark. Sure. Yeah. But uh So Chark is that <laughs> But yeah, to threat. get someone on the outside to comp to compliment him just just to add it. I don't think they'd out- outright replace him. I mean, but we also have to cross our fingers for rational or intelligent GMing because that's in the NFL true. that's not always a given. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they replace him. I think, I think St. Brown is pretty safe in his role. Now, yeah. really, what this ends up coming down, what I like about the St. Brown situation is, despite the Lions being complete horseshit last season, the coaching staff is still the same. Mm-hmm. So, it's very rare that you see that where you have just a dumpster fire, and the coaching staff sixth round and it's the same i mean obviously there's a coaching staff that figured out well shit we have something here and another thing that we need to point to is jared goff is not a good quarterback assuming he is their quarterback. jared goff is not going to be a guy that if you have pickens and chark he's not going to sit there and uncork the ball down the field he's going to feel more comfortable targeting the st browns and the hawkinsons we can and make the, the fact there was that some oh yeah i like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah well here's funny like he was the from week when he started getting his targets from week thirteen to week seventeen. Yeah. He was the number two wide receiver behind Cup. Hell so yeah. it's all coming I mean, together. It, wow, you were just driving up that price, gosh. I mean, man. Yeah, <laughs> you look at it and say, I I have a player here that we got great value on in rookie drafts, and now mm-hmm. so St. Brown is going like two oh four. He went and had a four five game a five game stretch where he was the wide receiver two. And his value really only bumped up to 109. And the reason why it's not higher is because he's a slot receiver and he's not sexy. Yeah. And he plays for the Lions and people expect them to bring in company. Yeah. Okay. Like Akash said, if they bring in company, yes, that will impact his value. But I don't necessarily think it impacts his production. Will he be a 12 target a guy, you know, 12, 12 targets a game type of guy? Probably not. Right. I think that would be a little high. But I'm not expecting him to be that anyways, because that's the height of heights. Right. right. But if he could be a a nine target a guy game, mm-hmm. very reasonable. He's gonna have a high catch rate. He's gonna be a PPR. He's gonna be basically Jar- like what Jarvis Landry did. Yeah. And honestly, like I could see him having better production than that, but Jarvis Landry was a wide receiver too for several years. Mm-hmm. And if I can get a wide receiver too, and just plug him in and get that, you're not getting the maybe 
I don't want to say you're not getting the massive ceiling. I think you mentioned that, Russ. But he did have a massive ceiling. You can't be the wide receiver, too, and not have a massive ceiling. Oh, no. I, I think the ability is there. I just don't think it's something to count on long term. I agree. I, I, I agree with that. But it's funny. If St. Brown was a X receiver and he did the same exact, had the same exact production, That's right. he'd probably be valued in the 102 range. Yeah, like yes. Devonta Smith. Because uh, he was very similar statistically, like I said, to Elijah Moore and Devonta Smith. But it's the draft capital. It's um, also that Elijah Moore plays slots sometimes, I guess, but like he's outside more. People get hung up on that sort of stuff. People get hung up on thinking that Amara St. Brown was just given his targets because they happened in some weeks where Hawkinson didn't play or Swift didn't play. But it's not, that's not the case because yeah. he er- it takes it, you have to earn your targets. He earned a role. He was really good with that role. And he finished with a really good stat. And so to say that he was just given his targets doesn't make sense to me. Well, and it's funny too, because I think people view Amonra as like this little like receiver. He's actually, nah, he's, he's a, just, he's like, the, he's the same size as like a Rashad Bateman. He's, he's just, he's bigger yeah. than Devonta Smith. He's six. Yeah. He's six foot 200. He's got six one. He's, he's got alpha size. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got the size to where he's maybe not Keenan Allen six two, but if you remember with Keenan Allen, it it we did the same thing with Keenan Allen to start his career. Like mm-hmm. we just we just didn't we took us it took us a while to believe because he's a slot guy and he's not <laughs> sexy and it's just a volume based. I like role volume. for production. Volume. Hell yeah, yeah. But like so, I I think that there's a range there where Keenan Allen it would be the absolute pinnacle for what Amonra does, mm-hmm. right? A Cooper Cup, I don't think. He'll ever be able to do what Cooper Cup did. Maybe pre two thousand twenty one Cup, he could yes. start going to breakfast. I'm okay with that. Back in the Navy, right? Yeah. So pre, yes, I, I agree with that. A healthy pre last year Cup, I think, is very reasonable. Yeah. But I, I, at one hundred nine, I think that's a good price because what he did in the last five weeks, I I don't feel that that consistent production can be chalked up as an anomaly. I, I think mm-hmm. there's going to be a more consistent type of a Monroe St. Brown, maybe the volume comes down, but your floor has increased so high yeah. for a Monroe that the bust rate for somebody that does what he did is very low. I agree. Yeah. Because he's... um, Because he's good. He's yeah, good. He's okay. Good. So he's we are at the risk of running long, and I'm very happy that we talked about Amon Ra for as long as we did anyway. But before we do get out of here, is there any one or two quick go do this, go do that, that you guys have at the top of your head before? I have an, I- I have an idea that maybe you guys are going to hate me for. Oh, I love it. Let's go. I'm targeting Sam Darnold right now because That's, he's well, so okay. I have an idea, he says. Yeah, for targets. Hell yeah. That, okay, he didn't say it was a good idea. Let's, let's put that out That's there. right. I was sitting in a startup and you know, just going through startups like you do once you get to the teens uh, rounds, you start you're not trading up. You're just waiting for your pick to come. And I was sitting in the late 18th round. I was like, what the hell is Sam Darnold still doing with guys like Tyler Huntley and Gardner Minshew also being the quarterbacks left? Like, all the quarterbacks were long gone except Sam Darnold. And I'm, uh, there's a chance that he is a starting quarterback next year. And so I got him and then checked his value in the trade calculator. It's like a third. I'm like, a third for a potential starting QB? I'll take that. What do you guys think? I mean, I don't. Yeah, I think he's bad, but I also think he's really cheap, and he starts at quarterback. 
Yeah, but the but the question is, let's say he for some reason walks in as the starter for Carolina next year because I think he's actually still on the team, right? Yeah. But the fact that I don't even know is probably a bit of a big deal. Uh, <laughs> do you want to put him in your starting position? Like, do you get more than? I mean, let's let's be optimistic. Say he's worth the three hundred one right now. Do you mm-hmm. get the two six equivalent when the season starts if he comes in as the starter? I mean, probably not. I don't think Maybe, anyone really. Like, do you put Sam Darnold? Yeah, I think in? you would. I think if he's a starter, if there's no Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, you're just buying the points there that a starting QB gives you because he's a, he'll be a starting QB. Yeah, but do you start Sam Darnold over a running back or a wide receiver or a tight end and tight end premium at that point? Yeah, I'd start. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because then it's like Sam Darnold versus your RB four or five. That's I'm taking. Unless I have an absolute stacked roster, I'll take Darnold. Well, of course, all of your rosters are stacked. Akash, we get it. That's the funny thing. I've seen people. I've seen people do this with quarterbacks, where they they bench a quarterback in their flex spot. And what you want in your flex spot is the highest weekly ceiling. Mm-hmm. What player on my roster gives me the highest weekly ceiling? A quarterback. And if you can get a starting quarterback, that's your highest weekly ceiling. Unless you have five top 10 running backs or five top 10 receivers, that's not, you're not going to get the same ceiling. And I see so many people bench QB2s for like a Jarvis Landry type. Okay. And it's just like you, it it doesn't pay off. Like you just take, take the, the ceiling in your flex spots. Because that'll that actually can win you that that single handedly can win you a game. So, so you with me on this train? I, I, I'm okay. So, yes and no. Begrudgingly, <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> because because Sam Darnold has so much higher risk of running into competition. I'd much rather just go and get a Marcus Mariota mm-hmm. or get a pay up a little bit higher and get a Davis Mills than I would with Sam Darnold. Even a Jameis Winston, I'd feel more comfortable because I look at Jameis and Sam Darnold as they probably both have a very similar chance of getting competition. Yeah. I'm drafting a first round quarterback. But with Jameis, at least I'm getting a quarterback that I know can put up fantasy points. He's done it. Yeah. So, but he's, so uh, he's I, a lot more I'm, expensive. I'm, is he though? He's going to be, he's going to cost you like a, what like an, a, mid a mid second two? mid two versus a third but if they if they if they draft a quarterback i think if they draft a picket or a willis mm-hmm. his value fall but yeah his value will fall it's the same the proposition same... with with darnold it's just yeah yeah he's a starting qb for now and just hope he doesn't get competition and so the cheapest guy there is sam darnold all right i feel like yeah. that is absolutely a take we need to just sort of walk away after hearing <laughs> but real quick if anyone listening has a roster where they have five top 10 running backs or wide receivers, I want you mm-hmm. right now, just put your hand in the air, take your other hand, pretend it's mine, and then just high five. Because, man, that is awesome. Good for you. But, like I said, we are heading out on that note. Russ, Akash, Izzy, at Dynasty Outhouse, at YZR underscore fantasy. R- real quick. At D- no, real no, quick. Can no. I, can I, I, yeah. can you I are not stepping on me. Okay. You're Let's not speak. stepping on me giving your, your Twitter handle. <laughs> then you can go. At DTC underscore Izzy E. Okay, go. Go. Just a quick. Okay. Hear me out. This is like a player you can get for a mid-third. Okay. Before the draft. And there's a chance that this team 
doesn't even draft a running back? Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack. <laughs> Let's go. I wrote that down. It's Mar- the, yeah, Same, Marlon Mack here, is a guy like it's you get a you get a give up a third, That's you get great. Marlon Mack, you're not going to get anything of quality in the third in this draft anyways, and you might luck into a starting running back. Hell yeah. And if you want even want to go deeper than that and can afford go get like Royce Freeman. It's just, it, I, he may not even make the roster, but who cares at this point? But I think Marlon <laughs> Mack is a guy that is worth the one year. If he's got a one year contract, he's yeah. worth just throwing a third out there and see if he can get some production. So that's right. Marlon Mack did nothing wrong. He got hurt and he was cast aside because of the nature of that injury. And so you're just betting for a third rounder that he's okay, that he's okay. And if he's okay and he's a starting running back, then he'll get you points. Foreman proved that it's okay. That's Cam right. Akers proved that it's okay. Yeah. No. Using Cam Akers as an example is like using Adrian Peterson off his ACL. That was not nah. human. That yeah, doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, but, Marlon Mack took longer to recover. Yeah. But by the time week one rolls around, Marlon Mack will have been two years removed from his injury. And so I'm willing to take that in. No, see, that, that's normal. That's right. That, that is healthy. Yeah. That is what Foreman did. We are not using Akers as an example because that man should not we be able to walk to. steadily. A... No less play football right now. I'll take that. Okay. Again. Now we are calling it quits. I already gave you my <laughs> outro, so I don't need to do it again. I'm not going to do it again. But thanks, everyone, for listening. Enjoy the draft. And we will be here next week to talk about rookie drafts because I mean, what else are we going to talk about right after the NFL draft? Right? Absolutely. So see you next time, everybody. Bye.